0: It's the Pete Callener Show with more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina. Pete Callener is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because
1: he's a giver. And now here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. It is November 5th, 2020, or day three of the election, I think is where we are now. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons like Stephen, David, NC38, Curtis, Sherry, Nick, Green, and Mark, Paul, and Meredith. Thanks so much for the support. They became patrons to the program, and you can as well. Just go to the com, and there is a link up at the top of the page there. You click on that, and that gets you into the Patreon page, where you sign up, you make a contribution, and you get exclusive content Uh, Like tonight, we'll be doing a live stream, so that'll be fun. Gee, what will we talk about? (laughs) All right. Um, How can both Republican Donald Trump and Democratic Governor Roy Cooper win North Carolina? Who splits a ticket like that? We're going to take a deep dive into this question and others with two gentlemen from North Carolina, John Hood, the chairman of the conservative John Locke Foundation. He also teaches at Duke University's Sanford School of Public Policy. And we're also going to talk with Thomas Mills. He's a longtime Democratic political consultant. He's a former candidate in North Carolina, and he is the founder of the website politicsnc.com. Also, I want to alert you to the fact that if you are trying to buy uh, yard equipment for the fall and winter time, then General Equipment Rental in Weaverville is your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Uh, so if you've got uh, yard equipment that needs servicing, take it over to General Equipment Rental as well. Uh, now, maybe you just need a tool or a piece of equipment for a specific job. A lot of small contractors use General Equipment Rental as well because. They don't want to sink all the money into purchasing a tool that they don't use very often. You know, scaffolding, for example, you can get that at General Equipment Rental, but if you're not using scaffolding a lot, do you really want to make that investment when you're not using it for most of your projects? So you can use it for one project and then return it to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. It's a fantastic model. They've got the tools that you need, and a lot of times tools you didn't even know you needed. And it's a great way, by the way, to test out a tool and see... Uh, Is this something that I could use more often in my work uh, or around the house? So uh, check out generalrents.com and they've got all their inventory up there. So you can see what they have. General Equipment Rental. They are third generation owned, family owned and operated. Uh, They're in Weaverville, the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Go to generalrents.com and get pre-qualified for 0% APR for 48 months. Generalrents.com in Weaverville generalrents.com think outside your toolbox so john hood is joining me now and uh you've got a piece called democrats threw away their shot uh that they had uh what they what they thought was a really good position right to win and honestly i was really afraid that they were going to flip the general assembly that did not work out so walk us through why you think that didn't happen why did they get it so wrong
0: well, it's first valuable to think about why so many people, including many Democrats that I know, believed they were about to make large gains and perhaps flip both chambers or at least one chamber of the General Assembly and also take some of the statewide races that Republicans had previously won. The, uh, the state treasurer's race, the state superintendent of public instruction race, those sorts of races. There was a lot of Democrats very optimistic the, ele- the day of the election and partly because they had just crushed the Republicans in raising money. They had vastly more money to spend. They had very favorable media coverage. Shocking, I know, (laughs) but but it was certainly there. And the top of the Republican ticket, Donald Trump, was, to put it charitably, a polarizing figure. So they thought these three things together would add up to crushing victories in 2020 in North Carolina. But They overlooked the advantages that the Republicans had, which was they had excellent candidate recruitment. They recruited some very good candidates in those legislative races that were in in question. They also had a vote game. They actually had been spending since September, really, or even August, had been walking, canvassing neighborhoods, turning out their vote. That appears to have mattered a great deal because when you saw the early voting numbers, the Republican strength was much higher than in 2016, and that was, I think, properly viewed as a good sign for the, for the Republicans. And the third thing the Republicans had going for them is that everybody knew that COVID-19 was a big issue, and everybody knew that the economy was a big issue. But what the Democrats did not fully appreciate is that law and order, public safety, was a big issue, at least for some voters. And the way I described it in the piece is the Democrats generally got the better end on COVID. If you look at voters who were not already hardcore partisans, they tended to think Democrats would do a better job combating COVID. And they tended to think Republicans would do a better job in economic recovery. So what was the tiebreaker for some of these swing voters, in my view, was public safety. They they were just aghast at the Protests in several cities that became riots, and, and they were aghast at looting. They were frustrated of downtowns being closed, curfews being imposed, including one in the capital city, Pete, uh, just a week before the election. Hmm. And so it, anno- it annoyed people. So, so we, we talk about these swing voters, these split ticket voters, as if they are an extinct species, like mastodons or something. <laughs> And the truth is they're an endangered species, but they're not extinct. There used to be 15, 20 percent, sometimes more, of North Carolinians who would, who would routinely vote something like Republican for president. Think of Ronald Reagan or even George W. Bush in 2004. They would vote significantly for the Republican for president or maybe U.S. senator and then vote for Democrat in the governor's race, the, all the other council of state races, judicial races, legislative races, and they saw no contradiction here because, by definition, split-ticket voters aren't very ideological. If they're ideological, they're they're in the Republican base, the Democratic base. Mm-hmm. So the ones who are not that ideological, uh, some of them are the split-ticket voters. So they don't see a contradiction. And furthermore, because they're not ideological, they, they're sometimes driven by either personal qualities of candidates or circumstances. In this case, if you look at some of these races in North Carolina, the Democrats thought they were going to win but did not. I don't think it was primarily personalities. I don't think a lot of people know who Josh Dobson is. Mm-hmm. He's the new newly elected Labor Commissioner. Uh, they, they don't know some of these personalities, but I do think the circumstances – created opportunities for Republicans to benefit from from split-ticket voting. Uh, some split-ticket voters, and we're now talking, Pete, about you know 4% of the electorate, 5%, a very small percentage of the electorate that will be willing to split their tickets today. But it's still decisive in a state where the two-party coalitions are almost evenly divided. Some of these split-ticket voters are truly what sort of academic types used to describe. They are check-and-balance voters. Hmm. They they don't want one party to have too much power. That is not the majority view. That is a decidedly minority view among American voters. But of course, 10% or 5% of voters who feel that way can be decisive. (laughs) So Tom Tillis and Cal Cunningham in the Senate race, they both actively pitched those check-and-balance kind of voters. Tillis explicitly said, I think President Trump is going to be reelected and should be re- reelected, but if he isn't, you really should want me in the Senate as a check. I mean, he said that explicitly. Cunningham was a little less explicit, but he certainly ran ads talking about how we'd be an independent voice. It wouldn't just be an easy vote for Chuck Schumer. I mean, he was trying to go for that same sort of balance of power type of, of uh, swing voter. The other kind of swing voter to think about are people who are just driven by what they, what is in their minds when they cast their ballot. Yesterday, what really bothered this voter was lost jobs or COVID-19. The, the, yesterday's report of deaths from COVID-19 were really high. So if you ask that voter at that moment, which candidate do you want, that candidate votes based on that particular – I'm sorry, sorry, that voter mm-hmm. votes based on that particular issue that is in their mind that day – even though tomorrow it'll be a different issue again i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to demean
1: right. swing
0: voters but they tend to be not very involved and interested in politics they tend to have low information about who the candidates are they only intermittently pay attention to politics and political news and so it kind of does determine their outcome what they happen to hear or read or listen to.
1: Which is, I guess, why I was kind of surprised that Cooper did as well as he did against Dan Forrest, considering I've seen so many people, and I know this is anecdotal, but it's social media and and people who were self-described apolitical, nonpartisan, or even Democrat voters who were just enraged by Cooper's lockdown orders for the last eight months and Uh, They were like, you know, I'm going to vote and I'm going to get everybody I know to go vote against this guy so we can open back up. I was kind of surprised to see how well he did. Um, And I guess also maybe part of it is that he does kind of project this persona of a moderate Democrat that would be more attractive, right, to those swing voters you were just describing.
0: Yes, I know the same kinds of folks you do, Pete, probably not the same individuals. (laughs) But I mean, I bet I was telling some friends of mine, I. I've been going to a pub recently uh, on a regular basis to eat sandwiches. I'm not a drinker, but I just sort of feel sorry for bars, yeah. places that at least serve food. I'm trying to keep them in business. And this 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 place is staffed by uh, some interesting-looking young people. Let's just right. put it that way. There's some tattoos. There's some piercings in odd places. There's some funny haircuts, and they dislike Cooper intensely. And would not be in an anybody's stereotype of a Republican voter, but they all said they were going to vote for Dan Forrest. The problem is, you and I can come up with anecdotes about that, but there are anecdotes the other way, and it turned out to be more of the more of the latter. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, a 60-year-old uh, woman from eastern North Carolina who's, who's voting for Trump and voting for Tillis. That Dan Forrest, I wish he'd stop having rallies without wearing a mask. Because I'm worried about COVID. My my aunt died of COVID.
1: Yeah, but Trump was doing it too. This is the thing I don't get. How do you vote for Trump with all of his rallies if COVID is the issue, right? And I, I agree. I think that is a huge issue uh, for for Dan Forrest. But how do how how does one go and say I'm going to vote for Trump and he's doing all these rallies and Forrest is doing much smaller rallies? I'm going to vote against him.
0: Well, I think the easiest way to say to answer that is. I do not believe that Trump versus Biden came down to COVID. Okay. I think it was a deep, deep difference in culture and political values. Uh, Trump lost some votes because of COVID, but it just – he didn't lose enough in North Carolina to cost him the the result. I think it is entirely understandable that someone would feel like there's no way I'm going to put a a bunch of socialists in power in in Washington. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they vote Republican. But hey, Dan Forrest, I don't I don't I think that Roy Cooper's better on covid this may not be your position or my position, but it doesn't strike me as a ridiculous position that mm-hmm. someone who is not very ideological might conclude is the right answer. And I think you're right that Cooper has been if he's been on ballot for decades. Yeah. And he has an image. and You could dispute it based on the recent events, not just COVID, but the fights with the legislature over budgets and teacher pay and all sorts of things. But he has this image cultivated over the many elections for attorney general uh, of being a sort of a traditional old school moderate Democrat in the Jim Hunt mold. And there are some older voters who still like those kinds of Democrats, and they like Donald Trump.
1: Right. John Hood is the chairman of the John Locke Foundation. He teaches at Duke University Sanford School of Public Policy. Uh, winter is almost here. That means if you work outside or you hunt or you spend a lot of time outside, you're going to near co- uh, need cold weather gear and clothing. Old Grouch's military surplus, they've got you covered, literally, haha, for that. Um you can get all sorts of military-grade thermal underwear, wool sweaters, military field jackets, wool and fleece toboggans and socks and Gore-Tex jackets, and you're going to find these uh, cheaper than you will at most outdoors stores. Uh, also, you can pick up an emergency kit for your car, things like folding shovels and the space blanket, you know, the emergency blankets. Uh, you can get bags or ammo cans to store it all in. And uh, speaking of ammo cans, what a great idea for the hard-to-shop-for person on your christmas list you get them uh the ammo cans come in all sizes and you can use them for all sorts of dry storage and such so head on over to old grouch's military surplus in downtown clyde it's worth the trip on main street it's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun they're open monday through saturday and 24 7 at oldgrouch.com um i think we talked about this briefly on twitter uh but uh the masks issue i think probably hurt forest uh, my my take on it is, and, we'll, and I'll get yours, is that if you're going to be the anti-mask candidate, that means you got to educate the voters why you're anti-mask. And now you're going to be bringing in a lot of science stuff, which is eye-glazing type of material. Uh, people aren't really uh, going to listen to a lot of that stuff. And so he would never really explain why he was anti-mask. And And then what's the old axiom, if you're explaining you're losing? And so it just struck me as sort of a setup for failure. And it was kind of his own doing.
0: I agree with that entirely. Perhaps I would amend it by saying this. uh, It it was always going to be impossible, even with talking about science and even if people were listening to convince them that wearing a mask was a big deal, that, that you and I both know people who are just vociferously opposed to masks. They are a decided minority of Republicans, mm-hmm. and it's really an 80-20 sort of an issue. Eighty percent of North Carolinians roughly think it is not only reasonable to wear a mask, but it's it's a bad idea to not wear a mask. You're putting other people at risk. Now, you could construct, and I've seen them, uh, arguments against that proposition, but it sounds like common sense to people. I think it would be very difficult to convince them otherwise, particularly since you're not asking them to spend a lot of money or give it, give up a lot of time or anything you just said put a piece of put put a piece of cloth on your face It just doesn't strike people as a big deal. Dan Forrest could have stuck to his guns on mass and just not talked about it and just tried to focus on issues where it was more likely he was going to prevail with voters, but oddly he just got fixated on this and Cooper not so oddly kept pulling him into it <laughs> both in both in the debate and in needling the campaign. I mean they they just spent weeks and weeks and weeks ridiculing Forrest for having rallies where nobody was wearing a mask it It was a bad strategy, even if you think Dan Forrest is one hundred percent correct, that masks are a waste of time it to to wage the campaign on that issue was i think very obviously a mistake. I think many Republicans on you know as I talked to you on Wednesday the day after election, would agree. Uh, but some people, some Republicans thought so weeks ago, uh, but just were hoping for the best. Yeah, it didn't happen.
1: Well, and what's odd is that this the the campaign sold masks. So, yes. Right. <laughs> yes.
0: And and you see, Tellus also sort of fumbled the issue. But he he always even when he was caught not wearing a mask, he always said, you know, I, that was not what I that was a bad idea. I think people should wear masks. It, it, it at least helps some. Why shouldn't we all do See, he even sort of fumbled the messenger, but he didn't come across as anti-mask. He didn't come across as unreasonable. Uh, I think for some, just again, a, just a few points of the electorate. That's all we're talking about. You know, yeah. 2% of the voter or 3% of the voters. Uh, they just, that the Forrest message on that didn't make any sense to them. And they were otherwise available to him. They would have listened to him on many other matters
1: yeah um the the reopening of the school issue and the because uh, I think at some point the 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 tide breaks towards the forced position. I just think he was too early on a lot of that stuff and he wasn't able to articulate it um because i i like i think the polling comes it comes his way at some point um
0: could be i mean the 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 lockdown stuff i have just as many skepticisms about cooper's policies as anybody else, including. Even the you know statewide mask mandates, as opposed to leaving it up to local governments and that sort of thing, it's just you need you need to choose your your uh, your message here. The the most eloquent critics of lockdowns say the alternative is that people are going to take responsibility, and you know when they're in when they're in a public an enclosed space, they're going to wear masks, and businesses are going to require. What we don't need is the government to lock down the economy. If you if you couch the argument that way, you can win people over on the lockdown question. But if you if it sounds or looks as though you're not taking COVID-19 seriously, then you're going to lose some right-leaning voters who want an alternative to lockdowns and and you know deep recessions, but also want to be responsible. Or at least look like they are being responsible.
1: Right. Um, and uh, before I let you go, last last pitch I have, uh, if you could work the word votainer into the political <laughs> lexicon, I'm trying to make that happen rather than top vote getter. Uh, yeah. I just think it's a it's a it's a much more dynamic word. It works so much better. Than top vote. And you better. think it's better than you think it's better than winner. Or well, only well in the in the fields where there are a lot of candidates, you know. So if you're, you're you you got to say like uh, top three votainers go on to the you know to win that kind of thing. So just, you know, think about it. I, you, know, I you don't can, need to answer me I can go along
0: with that. It is the political <laughs> synonym of, of a semifinalist.
2: Yeah, yeah. So okay. and I didn't
1: even come up with it, so I'm not getting the credit for it, although I will claim it if it does actually take traction. But um, it, Have it, you it,
0: reserved the URL yet? If I not, not, I don't take you
1: seriously. I have not. That's true. <laughs> I have not. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your insight with us. All right. All right. Well, as John Hood just mentioned there, having a URL is the first step on any website. But uh, how much do you know about search engine optimization? What about website design, maintenance? Do you know anything about that? You know your business. Do you know anything about the website side of things? If you don't or you need some help, then write this name down. Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design can help you solve a lot of your website's problems because great design can solve a lot of problems. Professional services, small businesses, entrepreneurs, corporate. Schaefer Smith can help you all with graphics, photos, build you an online store, help you with search engine optimization so people can find your website, website maintenance and security. He does logos. He did mine. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Joining me now is Thomas Mills. He is uh, the founder of PoliticsNC.com. He is a Democratic political consultant and a former candidate himself. Welcome to the show, Thomas. How are you?
3: I'm fine, Pete. Thank you.
1: Certainly. So, uh, okay, it's a couple days now from the election. Uh, I guess I'll start off with your thoughts (laughs) just on the outcome. We'll start sort of, uh, and this is all North Carolina specific, but were you kind of surprised at... Uh, at how close it was in some of these results?
3: Um, Yeah, I was. I, I, you know, made the mistake of believing the polls again. Um, You know, I was told that they had been fixed. And uh, clearly that wasn't right. And, you know, to be fair to the pollsters, the results probably not that far off. I mean, most polls I saw ended up having Biden up by one or two points, Cunningham up by one or two points. And... You know it's they're probably on the wrong side it's it's down one or two points and they're all still within this margin of error mm-hmm. the problem i think that we've got with polls is the error has consistently been towards democrats and i'm not scared to see a poll that shows that democrats are trailing i just want to see a poll that's telling me the truth and you know, I, I felt like after watching months and months of these polls showing Biden up by anywhere from one to four points, that he had some sort of pretty solid majority in there. And and I felt the same way about Cunningham. I mean, I think it was NBC came out with a poll last week that showed Cunningham up by ten. Yeah. So clearly something's wrong with the polling industry right now. And I should have stuck to the old what is it saying? You know, fool me once, yeah. Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me.
1: Well, and uh, people would ask me that in the run up to the election, and you know, ask me about the polling. I said, I don't, I, I, can't believe any of it. How could I? And and I, I hate blinding myself like that. But I don't know which ones to trust. I used to be able to rely on like Real Clear Politics because I didn't have to pick one. You know, um, yeah. but even that's kind of a- out the window now.
3: It, you know, I try to stick to averages myself, but. Like you said, even those are bad now. And, um, you know, I I think we're we're in a place where we're not going to be able to trust polls Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to look for other indicators. Uh, I, I wrote something today. I thought Peggy Noonan had a pretty good take on looking back. It's especially good. The Trump rallies, despite bad weather, despite. COVID, but they've still showed up in droves. And she said, you know, if a guy can go out and in the middle of pretty much nowhere and people have to travel a long way to get to him and he's getting crowds this size, he's got something going on. And the polls weren't necessarily picking that up, but just observing how people were responding to the candidate showed a, a ton of enthusiasm and really high turnout is a reflection of enthusiasm. Mm. And so that should have been kind of a warning sign. Instead, I think everybody's hanging on the polls. Right. Which don't pick up enthusiasm at all.
1: So a couple of things, and I want to circle back to the enthusiasm point, because I did read your piece. It's called, Wow, Was I Wrong? You said you're going to have to stop believing the polls. And given our discussion here, um, do you make a distinction between polls that are done for candidates? I, I saw somebody commenting that, like, if I'm a pollster and I go to work for a candidate, Like you just said, you need to know that that data is correct. And so it doesn't behoove me as a pollster to lie to you, the candidate client. So is there a difference? Do you make a distinction between the kinds of polls, like ones that are done for media, for public consumption versus those that are done for, you know, internal campaigns?
3: My experience has been that the the polls done for campaigns tend to be better than the public polls. And I, I don't know exactly why. I mean, I see I've seen some, what I thought were pretty high quality public polls over the years. The internal polls I saw reflected pretty much what we saw in the public polls. And we got the same, hmm. um, response. I, you know, a lot of pundits say, well, I don't, we don't trust those because those are partisan polls done for candidates. But, but you're right, Pete, most of the polls that are done for candidates never see the light of day mm-hmm. because the whole purpose is to try to let the campaign know where you are. Right. So if the poll's not going to get shared beyond a handful of people, why would you have bad numbers? Campaigns aren't doing polls trying to get it out to the public. If they get a poll that they think can change the dynamic of the race or help with fundraising, they may make it public. But no, very few polls are done during campaigns with the idea, we're going to go shop this around.
1: Right. It's usually like a really good poll. (laughs) I think
3: the campaign polls tend to be better. But, but they were better, you right? Know, they, this time. They were <laughs> right.
1: All right. We'll have more with Thomas Mills in a minute. First, mattressmanstores.com. If you are in need of a mattress, a new bed, uh, treat yourself for Christmas. Christy and I did this um we you know made a, a single purchase basically last year for ourselves as a Christmas gift to each other. And if this sounds like a good idea for you and yours, then Mattress Man has got all the inventory that you could possibly want and the best. Inventory at that, and you can take advantage of the triple zero deal, which is zero down, zero APR for 24 months, zero payments for 90 days. They have the Biltmore collection by Restonic, these are the mattresses that Biltmore has at their hotel and their inn on their property at the Biltmore estate. So uh, if you want to sleep on that kind of luxury, then go to Mattress Man. It's where you're going to find the mattresses. They're made in Fayetteville. Uh, they also have the latest line, Nature's Spa. This is the latest line from Paramount Sleep. Uh, these mattresses are featured at Blackberry Farm in Tennessee. They have memory foam, which is what Christy and I bought from Mattress Man years ago. They also have uh, spring mattresses. A Natural latex, pillow top, all of them. So uh, go to their website or go to their one of their four stores, Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They do ship nationwide. They have local five-star delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattressman, mattressmanstores.com, buy local, and sleep better. So uh, on the enthusiasm, uh, the enthusiasm question, and because and, I ran into this in 2016 and people would call into the show and they would say, oh, you, you see all these yard signs and you've heard this as well. Right. The yard sign as an indicator. It's it, it. It's not it's anecdotal. But at some point, I guess you do hit a critical mass where it does become indicative of a larger trend. And I guess that's sort of the same thing. But I was wary to ascribe anything to the, the rallies as well for that very reason. Uh, In 2016. And so when 2020 rolls around and I start seeing these rallies now, I'm wondering, hmm, is this sort of a a rehash of 2016 and he's got all of these people showing up? I mean, that's not nothing. But because covid, we're not seeing Democrats doing this, those kinds of rallies because they would have. I mean, Joe Biden would have done rallies like that. So essentially they 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 surrendered the field, it seems like.
3: Right. I, th- I think so, and I think they they surrendered it in their get out the vote efforts too. Um, you know, I think Republicans in North Carolina in in registrations in the months leading up had had like a fifty thousand uh, new registrant lead over Democrats, and that was a reflection of voter registration drives that Democrats decided not to do. Hmm. And um, you know, I, I think there, there's there's strategically there's a mistake i think democrats feel like they they uh they still they did the right thing given what's going on with this virus right and um i don't think they would have changed a whole lot they they did start knocking on doors in the last few weeks but they they didn't um throughout the the summer when when you're normally starting to Try to build a little bit of enthusiasm, and get get name out, and get a sense that there's a, a movement around the candidate. They didn't do any of that, and and I think Republicans did, and that 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 may have been some of it. I, I will say this: I, I I believe that Donald Trump is a unique phenomenon in, in American politics. Um, I, I don't quite understand it, <laughs> but he inspires same. people. Yeah, that, same here. <laughs> at a level that. They, it it is it really is a bit of a cult of personality, mm-hmm. where I, where I don't think it I think sometimes the left misses that it's probably not a huge portion. It's it, it's a you know maybe fifty percent of the Republicans buy into that cult of personality, but I don't think it's 80 percent. I think the other Republicans that are voting for him are voting for him because they don't like the Democrats and judges and taxes. Right. You know, and. um, And those are the he
1: was the option. That's he was the only other option to vote. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, major party candidate. You know, if you're looking at the two party duopoly kind of thing, then, yeah. I mean, unless you're going to vote for a third party candidate. But you know, if you were frightened and you mentioned this in your piece as well, if you were frightened by what you're seeing Uh, with, you know, Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter and the violence and the vandalism. If that's concerning to you, like, who do you go to? Who do you who do you vote to support in that circumstance?
3: You know, and I and I think um, I think Biden tried to address that. The problem is, is he wasn't followed by a whole lot of you didn't you didn't see a repudiation of the violence. By Democrats as as a party, you know, the Biden came out and said, "There's no place for this."
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You didn't see a chorus jump behind him, <laughs> you know. And, and I think had there been a chorus behind him, instead, you had people going, you know, you saw it a lot. You saw, you saw a lot of pretty mainstream Democrats saying that, uh, you know, you can't compare property damage to lives. Mm-hmm. And 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 while that's true, that doesn't make the people who were watching folks destroy property feel any better.
1: Right. It's sort of like when someone says, you know, black lives matter. And then someone replies, all lives matter. It's like, well, that's not really responsive. What you're doing is you're dismissing the original statement with that response.
3: Right. Right. And, and I, you know, I mean, I, I watching those protests the whole time, they, they never, they always, as a political strategy, they, they made me uncomfortable Purely from, I mean, looking at it from a political point of view, um, I felt like this, this, this is, this is going to galvanize the the other side against us. And then, I, and, and then back to the polls. I didn't see it reflected in the polls though. So I thought, huh, maybe I'm wrong about this. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets back to Nixon's silent majority. You know, I, th- I think there were a lot of people who it really bothered, but they weren't going to go speak out and, and make a big deal about it. That's kind of what voting's about, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll, 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 I'll pick on my side a little bit more. It goes to rallies. I'm not impressed with rallies. I I don't have a problem with them necessarily. I think there's a place for them. Um, But we saw rally after rally and, and all these people kept going, this is what democracy looks like. I'm like, no that is not what democracy looks like. Democracy looks like voting. And there's just because you can get, you know, I think they thought because they could get tons of people out um in a vacuum or not in a vacuum but but around an issue that that would translate into votes in the voting booth. You know, the Trump rallies were for nothing but getting people to the polls Mm -hmm. they were campaign events the rallies the women's march the other marches the moral mondays they were not about voting they were not about campaigning they were about showing outrage and dissatisfaction and there's a place for it hey that's what we've got the first amendment for you Mm want to do that fine go do it i don't I don't have a bit of problem, but don't believe that it translates into votes at the voting booth.
1: Right. Automatically. You've got to do the automatically. work. Yeah. Um, speaking of working, everybody would probably agree. Farmers work hard. I know uh, farmers in my life. And uh, if you know farmers, you know, they work hard, which is why super proud and honored to have Growers Hemp as one of the latest sponsors of the program here, the latest sponsor of the program, I should say. Grower's Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. This is CBD oil. I take some drops before I go to bed every night. And uh, my whole life, I would sleep and I would kind of toss and turn. I'd wake up a lot. That was just how I slept normally. And I never thought anything of it. Since I started taking the CBD drops, um, I sleep way deeper now. I go to sleep and I'm basically out and it's fantastic. And when I wake up in the morning, uh, I do not feel uh, groggy or anything like I you know, took a bunch of pills or something. So why would you think uh, to take CBD oil? You're looking for a better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, positive mental outlook, immune system resilience, lower tension or deeper sleep like me. Add Growers Hemp CBD. This is the full spectrum hemp extract. Add it to your daily routine. They have uh, balms as well. They have salves and throat lozenges, all sorts of delivery methods. The best quality at a price that's affordable. How? Because Growers Hemp, these are farmers that started this company, North Carolina based and North Carolina farmers, and they control the whole process from seed to shelf. Growers Hemp maintains complete control so you get the best for lower prices. They also know you probably got some questions about CBD. It's a new product and, uh, you know, people have a lot of questions. And so Growers Hemp will help you every step along the way. They want you to be happy and satisfied. Now, as with all CBD products... GovCo says, I've got to say some stuff, so here we go. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant to as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Uh, so You can find it on the shelves at the Broad River company in shelby check out their advertisement in our state magazine and if you go to their website growershemp.com you can see all of their products there Uh, also don't forget product code pete the promo code pete get 20 percent off by typing in my name pete at growershemp.com from north carolina farmers to your home growers hemp it's about the hemp not the hype all right. Thomas Mills from Politics NC, Democratic political consultant, former campaign uh, or a candidate himself. You also say for your entire career, you believe high turnout benefited Democrats. And that's no longer true. And my initial response was the same. We had 75 percent turnout in North Carolina and it benefited Republicans. I was shocked. Right. I also yep. I but I also want to put a big fat asterisk next to that because covid. And again, just like we mentioned, like Democrats kind of just walked off the field here. And so I'm not sure I'm not sure we can draw a lot of conclusions and going forward for that.
3: Well, here's the thing it, it, is I think Democrats turned out at a high level. I don't. I mean, I think I think you're going to see Democrats turned out at 70 plus percent. The problem is, is Republicans turned out at 75 percent in 2016. And I didn't think they could get much higher.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think I think when we, you know, a- after the canvas is done and we start to see the numbers, you're going to see that, that Republicans voted at about 77%. Those are huge numbers. And uh, so, anyhow, I, I think COVID may in, may have some impact on it, but I, I just think... I mean, I think Republicans got fired up and they came out in, in bigger numbers than they did in 2016.
1: And as you mentioned earlier, that's not all pro-Trump. That A lot of that right. is anti-Biden. I think it goes to the protest. I mean, look at what happened down in Florida where you had all of these uh, Hispanic voters who— rejected very much along the same lines, the, the violence and vandalism, uh, they didn't want any part of it. And, uh, like that. And, and I think there's, what's happening is a, there's a realignment of the parties going on. Do you, do do you sense that's occurring?
3: Yeah, no, I've been saying that since 2016. I, um, yeah, I think we're in, we're in a major realignment. Um, I, I thought that, I thought that we would see, a a shift more i don't think that the 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 dynamics are changing that much but i thought you would see a more a a larger suburban shift by now Mm. Uh, the 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 ex-urban counties didn't come over and you know we saw from 2016 to 2018 a whole bunch of kind of inner ring suburban counties flip from red to blue and after this election it looks permanently that did not spill over into the ne- the, the neighboring counties, mm-hmm. and I thought that it would. You know, that, that's where my 2024 theory comes in, that maybe in 2024 we're more of a blue state. Uh, I, I do believe it will eventually do that, but it's it's not happening that fast.
1: Mm-hmm. My guest is Thomas Mills, a Democratic political consultant and the founder of PoliticsNC.com. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the ticket splitters, people who vote for a Republican president like Donald Trump, but then turn around and vote for the Democratic governor, Roy Cooper. First, I vote for Rowena Patton. Well, She's not running for anything except to be your real estate agent. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they will get your house sold quickly and for more money. It's what she does. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. And if you're thinking about buying a second home in the Asheville area, please give her a call. 828-333-4483 or... Go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com. She's the official Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville, which is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. Uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retirees. So uh, if you're buying or selling, call the only agent that I would call, the only agent I did call when Christy and I went to buy our house, Rowena Patton, 333-4483, Mountain. Homehunt.com and then start packing. So uh, you have to be happy that Roy Cooper got reelected, though. Uh, not quite what I thought I saw, like 11 points he was up on Forrest in the polling. And of course, it's not nearly that high, but still, I mean, it's a comfortable margin. I think, what, 4%, yeah. 5% or so? So. Uh, And this was one of the most popular questions uh, most often asked, I should say, that I got on election night from people on social media. They keep asking, how can somebody vote for Donald Trump and then turn around and vote for Roy Cooper? Do you want to take a stab at that?
3: Well, if you look at North Carolina since about 1972, that's what we've been doing. I mean, in 72, we actually elected a Republican governor. But since then, we've been electing Democratic governors, with the exception of, of Jim Martin and Pat McCrory. And uh voting president voting for republican presidential candidates and i think um there are a lot of a lot of uh people in north carolina who are still comfortable doing that you know i think cooper reflects a, a, a kind of moderate politician that i think most people i think i still think most people in this country are pretty moderate people i don't i don't think they're they tend to gravitate to either extreme Um, and, and Cooper reflects that he's kind of business friendly. Um, he, he, he's probably adopted some of the more social, um, social justice type issues partly because that's where his party's going, Mm -hmm. but he's probably, he's more comfortable as being a centrist and a, uh, you know, pro socially conscious, but business friendly governor and, Mm. I think people like that. I also think they like the way he's handled COVID. And I know you've not been real impressed with it, but I think (laughs) a lot, most of, uh, most of North Carolina has been. And I think that reflected it. I always thought that the numbers were going to be five or six points. I don't believe anybody at the top of the ticket wins North Carolina Democrat or Republican wins North Carolina by 10 points. I I don't believe that's who we are as a state. And, um, and I and I do think he got the benefit. I, you know, I know your Republican viewers, listeners aren't going to like this, but I think Dan Forrest was a terrible candidate, and I thought Republicans missed a huge chance by not nominating uh, Holly Grange. Hmm. But, um, I, I mean, you know, Forrest has gone out of his way to make himself the most socially conservative guy on the ticket, um, and. That's not what North Carolinians like to elect, you know. They they, they tend they tend towards people who are uh, more moderate. And
1: well, Dan uh, yeah, I was gonna say John like Hood that. Uh, made that point that Dan Forrest did a, a very good job of sort of appealing to a lot of the Republicans, uh, but he didn't do enough to attract a lot of the unaffiliateds and a lot of the independents. Right. Uh, and, and and my view on it is that. He he became the anti-mask candidate, which is fine, but that means you're going to have to defend that position basically all the time, and you're going to have to do it well. And I don't think he really did it very well, If you're because uh, I think there are legitimate arguments to make and then let people decide for themselves, but I never heard any of those arguments getting made. So it just came across as, I'm anti-mask, and that's it. And I think... You know, as, as John Hood said, people are by and large supportive of mask wearing. So, uh, right. and I, I think over time that's going to erode, uh, as it already has. But I think right now it's not the time to make that argument.
3: I, 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 w- let's talk about that in about three months. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we're going to be in a different state. Yeah. You know, my whole thing is is this virus is is very bad, and. The only reason that we haven't seen people more upset about it is because it's moved a little bit slower than people think. And we're, we have not hit critical mass yet. When we top 500,000 people dead, at that point, two-thirds of the people in the country will have known somebody who died of it. And at that point, you're going to start seeing people go, wow. They already did see. And again, now I'm relying on polls. Mm-hmm. But polls showed that people who knew somebody that died of COVID were far more concerned about it than people who didn't. And at this point, maybe 40%, probably a little less than 40% know somebody who's died of COVID. When, when we hit the critical mass of, of over two thirds of the people knowing somebody, there's gonna be a, a different perspective on how to deal with this.
1: Well, that's assuming nothing changes in the treatment course, therapeutics or, you know, if a vaccine, I'm not putting any faith in that. coming. And they're better. Look, they're
3: better. But, but, you know, but by all accounts, I mean, we're, we're already up over, you know, we're at, we're at levels of death every day that, that was shocking the country six months ago. Now we're just used to it. Mm -hmm. We're going to be over 2000 people dead a month by the, by, by, uh, probably close to the end of this month. But isn't that the uh, case?
1: But that but isn't that the case with all death, all causes of death that eventually I mean, look at the flu and I'm not saying COVID is the flu or anything. I'm just saying that our our risk tolerance for the flu is such that when even offered a vaccine, people don't take it. Right. The flu shot comes around every year and half of Americans don't even take the thing, even though everyone Is is potentially uh, you know a victim of it? People get it and they die. I mean, I know people who have died from uh, pneumonia, right? Flu-like symptoms and pneumonia and such. And so uh, this is and heart disease and all these things. You just but it becomes a cause of death that we all accept as a cause of death that is you know more or less likely to affect us or someone we know, uh, like cancer. And I'm not saying that to minimize COVID. It's just it's about risk assessment and. It's here, like you know. In, uh, Trump didn't give it to us. Democrats didn't give it to us. Republicans didn't give it to us, right? China may have, but like that's, but but it's here. No, that's yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. It, <laughs> it was gonna, you know. If,
3: we're 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 look. China gave it to us, but but then the global economy gave it to us. Yeah, you, you know, and so air, air air travel gave it to us. Yeah, it's very but, contagious.
1: Um, Absolutely,
3: it's it's contagious. And um, the difference with this is is that uh these are excess deaths you know these are this this is probably probably somewhere more than what what they're reporting because people are dying of it and they're they're not it's it's not being recognized as covid and um but people are people are getting more used to it and you're right there'll there'll be a certain amount of getting used to it but i'm telling you as, as more people know somebody who has it, they're going to be more concerned about mm-hmm. trying to contain it. And I think, I mean, we haven't experienced a winter with it yet. Mm-hmm. And and there, that's what we're seeing up in the Midwest is everybody's going inside and a lot of people are starting to get sick.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And and I think the other thing that's going to happen with it is is we're going to start finding out that it does have some longer term uh problems that that, that hadn't been recognized sure you know i i think probably to be honest with you i mean we're all hanging our hat on a vaccine i think treatment's a more feasible
2: thing Mm -hmm.
3: you know they already figured out that steroids work better than uh ventilators yeah and and you know the first thing we did was we rushed to get everybody on ventilators and almost everybody it we realized that by the time you got on ventilator it was a death sentence Mm-hmm. you might stay hang on the ventilator might keep you alive for a month but you know 80 percent of the people were never getting off of them yeah and now they're getting these steroids that are doing a better job and i think you know i think some of the experimental treatments out there have have a lot of promise and it, it, we could get it contained but um anyhow but until we get a better sense of it you know and i i won't argue with all of it i have problems with this thing about not opening schools and that type of thing mm-hmm. I, I think we've got to figure out a way to live with it Um, I also think we've got to embrace the fact that it's here and, and having a president of the United States basically lying to us about it all the time is not helping contain it.
1: And I have a, I I take a similar approach with the governor. (laughs) I I don't appreciate being talked to like a, like a five-year-old and just being told it's science and data and he never presents the science and data and stuff like that. And this is, again, that's sort of my beef with Dan Forrest campaign as well on the mask stuff. Like I wear a mask and like I don't know how much it helps. If it's a little bit, then it's it's a little bit. Now I know there are some people who are saying that masks actually make it worse. Now I'd like to know the science on that, because if we're actually making ourselves sicker, you know, because we're not cleaning the masks like we're supposed to be, because nobody does, well then I think that's probably really important as well to know. And this is one of the other things too. I tried at the very beginning and I still try to give latitude to people who are making these decisions because they don't know what they're doing. Nobody. It's a brand new virus, right? right? So, like, I understood that, and but there has to be a willingness to adapt and to and to shift. And if the initial approach isn't working, uh, or we learn something new, then we need to we, then we need to be able to acknowledge that. But nobody wants to, because you know, in politics, if you admit that you did something wrong, <laughs> then that's right. your death sentence, you know. So nobody wants yeah. to admit they did something wrong.
3: I agree. We're in unchar we're in uncharted territory. I said at the very beginning of this thing, we're going to make a lot of mistakes trying to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also going to get some things right. And we need to figure out how to acknowledge what we're getting right and what, and, and, and what are the mistakes. And, and we do have to weigh the costs of uh, the social costs of keeping people isolated and keeping kids out of school and the economic costs of keeping things closed down. Um, and, and, and what are the, you know, what are the collateral damage of those decisions versus the, the disease itself? Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a tough thing. No, and I've been saying so. from the
1: beginning, it's it, it's never been a choice between lives and money. It's been a choice between lives and lives it's it's right. like i said we're far afield from what i wanted to talk with you about which is your piece uh, oh no that was my fault i'm the i'm the professional interviewer here so that's all on me uh so uh politics nc.com is the website thomas mills uh how long have you been doing that website by the way
3: it'll be eight years in
1: april i was gonna say it's been about a decade so go check it out politics nc.com And uh, Thomas, always good to talk with you. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Pete. All right. And that is a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast and give it a positive review. I appreciate that. Consider becoming a patron of the program. Get cool stuff and exclusive content. Links are at com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.